Okay, we're here with Nicole Yunus at the Tyndale offices, ready to talk about her life and her books. We're here with Joy. Hello. So, so you just flew in? Yeah, I just flew in. I just flew in. We left at like four o'clock this morning oh. from Richmond. And we, I was saying to my friend Paige, who's traveling with me, that travel is so funny because you feel like your soul like can't catch up. Because oh. I was in my bed this morning in Richmond, and then I'm like driving <laughs> under a sign that says, this way to Wisconsin. And I'm like, yeah. oh, what just happened? Where am I? Oh, that's so great. I, I read in your bio that you went to William & Mary. I did. Um, I, that was one of my schools that I dreamed of going to, but didn't, get in. didn't have the guts to <laughs> go that far away from home. I'm just kidding. But I always imagined myself working as a colonial yes. person. Did you ever do well, that? Well, there was anyone? a guy in my dorm who played the um, stu- like the drum oh, like the, oh. in the marching band, and he was hired to be the colonial band, and he was on the front. Like, you go into tourist sites, and there was this colonial Williamsburg calendar, and he was on the front of the calendar. Like, he's probably located in many senior citizens' homes all around the U.S., yes. and he was like this total frat, like, football guy, but he's in the full uniform, like, hitting the drum on the front of this calendar. So some of the listeners may have him in a calendar. His name is oh, Justin. Yeah. So now you okay. know that's the secret <laughs> to school at behind the in scenes. Virginia. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so a lot of the people that listen to this are either just Tyndale fans or book fans in general. Can you talk a little bit about just your life in ministry and then how that led to you writing sure. books? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to... Um, Started being a ministry, not planned it, wasn't planned at all, but I was in a small church and my pastor asked me if I wanted to help with student ministry and I was just out of college and I thought, yeah, that's probably just about my maturity level, so that'll be great. And I absolutely fell in love with student ministry. Started with middle schoolers and high schoolers and spent several like young years doing student ministry and felt really called to ministry. People say that, that's in the book, so you can read it, but uh, that's a weird word and what does that really mean? But um, I started going to seminary. And when I got to seminary, I just wasn't sure what my way forward was gonna be as a young female. I was My first seminary class was full of men in their 40s who love to quote Bible verses at each other. And I thought, I just like, one of these things is doing, like one of these people is doing their own thing and it's me. And so um, over time, I actually ended up going into counseling. So I switched into a counseling program and it was really cool because I felt like God was giving me an opportunity to do important ministry, but also have kids and have like some boundaries in life and have a way to be in ministry. So I spent about eight years in private practice and God taught me just as much about myself as he did about the people that I was trying to help. And a lot of what I learned there, um, I just started to absorb and understand people and patterns uh, and places that people get hung up and more and more uh, was deeply believing that the Bible is so relevant to our lives. It really speaks to the human condition. Mm. Um, It invites us to transformation. And so I would find myself in counseling appointments more and more, really teaching a lot. And I ended up, um, to make a long story short, I ended up in full-time ministry. But it came out of, um, that was the place that I really fell in love with people and the Bible and how those two things come together. And Mm. so all my writing is around who are we really? How do we understand and perceive the world? And what what can we learn and how are we changed by um, God's word, which is living and active and Mm. absolutely divides us, um, separates, you know, bone and marrow, so deeply divides us more than anything else. Every 
every theory I understand, every theoretical model of counseling, nothing compares to the reality of the Holy Spirit really working in people's mm -hmm. lives. So that's kind of where it all started. So all my writing is like heart and feeling and emotion and life and how do I like translate life in a way that I see God at work and I'm open to his mm -hmm. transformation. So. Mm -hmm. And what are some topics that are really close to your heart? What are the things that resonate mm. with you that you want to share with people most? Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's when you're first starting out, you really don't know, I think, who you are. Mm -hmm. I, that's how I felt as a young person and as a young writer. So you kind of, you try to listen to what people tell you. And one, the main thing that people tell me is that I'm honest. Mm -hmm. um, that makes me a little sad because I mm -hmm. wish that's what everyone would say about Christian writers or yeah. Christians in general. But for whatever reason, um, something about who I am feels really, I guess, real to people. And so that would be kind of my, my mm -hmm. model is I'm going to be as, as honest and forthright as I can about my own soul, about my own struggles and the way that I feel like God has um, interacted in my life and how I can help from that place. Mm -hmm. So honesty and then kind of that... Um, there's no difference between our Sunday life and our Monday through Saturday life. There's mm -hmm. no there's no such thing as a spiritual life. All of mm -hmm. life is spiritual. So where is God entering into wherever mm -hmm. you find yourself in life? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And how can you share a little bit more about Brave Enough, mm -hmm. your newest book? Sure, yeah. So the first book I wrote uh, was called She's Got Issues, and that really did come out of that eight years of counseling. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm sitting in this office with this 13-year-old, and then my next appointment is with this 53-year-old, and it looks a little different on the outside, but the issues are the same. And so mm -hmm. I wrote about so those six main issues that I had seen in counseling. So in a lot of ways, Brave Enough was a follow-up because it was kind of mm -hmm. like, okay, if you're going to get honest with yourself, you're going to let God work in your life, you're going to start removing these obstacles that are hindering you. How do you step forward in boldness and confidence with who he's made you to be? How do you live uh, a life of courage right where you are? Because mm -hmm. I deeply believe every person's life requires courage. Mm -hmm. The life that they have wherever they are right now today. Whether that's to forgive someone, to face fears, to step mm -hmm. out into their calling, um, to embrace yeses and nos and really live in the limits that God's given us. So those are the topics that are explored in Brave Enough is, okay, mm -hmm. now that we can, like, let's get free of our issues, leave that behind, and step forward into um, this full and free life that God really has for us. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You make a comment about being brave enough to accept grace. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that sure. for us? Yes. <laughs> I'm still learning it myself, but... Um, I think that uh, people, as people, um, if you look at the Bible, and one of the things I like to do when I look at Scripture is say, okay, whatever's in here is really relevant to today, even if some translating is required. And something that is Genesis to Revelation in the Bible is people's tendencies to want rules, mm -hmm. to want to live by law. And that is not any different for us today. So what does that look like when you're maybe following Jesus or you've been kind of living in the church and you're really sure that you like grace? Uh, my theory in the book is that we actually don't like grace. We don't, we don't want to need grace. We'd like to work around it by uh, blaming others or blaming ourselves or creating rules or living with these ideas that really is, is legalism. It's law-based love. It's not grace-based love. So in the book, I say, okay, here's some fake ways that you can think that you're living out grace. I really don't think people like it. I think, um, at least for me, I'd much rather be perfect than need grace. And I know yeah. that. I don't know that I'll ever feel different. As much as I love the Lord, as much as I've seen him work in my life, I think of the story in John 13 when Peter um, doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. He actually puts a lot of rules around the grace. He's kind of like, no, no, no. 
don't wash my feet. Oh, but if you want to wash my feet, you should wash my whole body. Like he keeps trying mm-hmm. to add mm-hmm. to what Jesus is doing. And Jesus in his humility also takes authority and says, this is the way that it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And most of us don't really want to believe that there's mm-hmm. one way that it's going to be. And the way is going to be full dependence on Jesus Christ as our savior. And mm-hmm. I think that's a reminder that we need every day of our lives as we walk with him. I know you have a copy of your book. Sitting there, I, I was I, reading it on the plane, which is, <laughs> which is strange. But authors, I mean, any author listening will know. You know, I wrote this a while ago, and so when you're getting ready to come back in, you yeah. like have to re-enter because it was a season before. It takes a while to get published. Now, so. what would you have done if somebody <laughs> who had who was familiar with your books saw you reading it and they and they were like, "Oh, I really love that book. Have you have you read other stuff by her? Would you confess that?" You wrote it? I think I would. Yeah. I would be too honest. I'd have to like laugh at my... I'd probably start laughing like hysterically at myself and be like, I know this is so weird. I can't believe I'm reading this right now. It's so weird. <laughs> good advertisement. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I was like holding so it up on a plane like well, up above people's heads. I've been to a couple conferences where people have worn t-shirts of their the books that they've authored trying to... Really? Motive, so maybe that's an idea. I okay, saw one thanks. with a hat that had the book on both sides, like a sandwich board. Oh. So just a couple wow. ideas for you. That's really <laughs> bold. I was just going to get a tattoo. Not to put you on the spot, and we can cut this out if you don't have anything, but are there any uh, passages from the book that you'd like to read for some listeners? I think you should ask. Oh, wow. Um, Okay, I will read this part. Um, One of my very favorite discoveries as I studied for this was this little Hebrew word for saint, um, because I don't know anyone who, saint has just taken on its different connotation in our, in our culture. And so actually my friend Paige, who's with me, is one of the people that I asked, I said, do you ever like consider yourself like a saint? She's like, no. (laughs) So I was doing a word study on saint. Um, it says in Psalm 85 that God promises peace to his people and to his saints. And the word, um, I'll just read it. So, um, this is from the end of Brave Enough. As if holiness wasn't enough, we have a new identity in Christ as saints. Psalm 85.8 says that God promises peace to his people and to his saints. The Hebrew word for saint, Hasid, comes from the same root as hesed, the same root as hesed, which is a significant word in the Old Testament that describes God's grace. So if a working definition of hesed is grace, then Hasid, which we translate as saint, would literally be a person of the grace. We've been made a holy people because God decided to set us apart for this significant purpose. We may have a hard time thinking of ourselves as saints, but what if we considered ourselves a people of the grace? What if we were characterized not by a self-righteous, condescending religiosity, but instead were known as people who radiate grace? That's a definition I can get behind because that's the kind of woman I want to be. That's a label we can proudly wear. So powerful, we're speechless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I told you I could fit a lot of words in a very yes, small amount of time. Yes, you are amazing. <laughs> um, can you explain to us how we might live grace? Okay. So we don't like it. We know we need it. Mm-hmm. How do we actually do that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, to go back to what we were talking about before, um, I think it's about honesty. I think mm-hmm. a lot of, I work with uh, young leaders in my work at my church and I help them develop who they are. And a big thing that I'll tell them is that you need to become your own scientist. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is you've got to step outside of yourself. And when you feel an emotion rise up or you're starting a mental script because you've left a meeting that was hard for you or confusing, 
step outside yourself and say, what is going on here? And the more we can get honest with ourselves, we, we, we get to the actual root of what is our issue. A lot of times there's insecurity or fear, there's sin at the heart of it. And if we're not honest with ourselves, we'll continue to band-aid problems that cannot be fixed with a band-aid. You know, Jesus is a savior. He takes us very seriously. He didn't say like he came to cover over our sin with a band-aid. And if we're not honest about our sin, and I do think uh, particularly women have a hard time with this, uh, women are just very complicated and I think um, can deceive themselves even more than they know. And what I mean by that is even the idea of being really mad about something is, I talk about this in the book, the words that end up getting used are stressed, confused, I'm not sure, I just don't, you know, I'm depressed. It, it's never like, no, I'm just really, really flipping mad. I'm just angry. And if you can't get to the heart, of what's actually going on with you. First of all, you don't realize the real depths of your own condition. And second of all, because you're not realizing the depths of your own condition, you're not able to say, this is a place where nothing will work but Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's how you get there, and that's a place that we receive him, and then it becomes a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people will be like, okay, but tell me how, how to receive Jesus. Tell me how to rest in his grace. I'm like, well, that's the mystery. Yeah. The mystery is that Jesus is a, is a real, living person who wants to enter in to a real intimate relationship with you and that's the mystery of a relationship with him but you've got to be in a place where you need him yes absolutely Hmm. well we're reaching the end of our time here today it's a quick interview but uh i know people can go to nicoleunis.com you're on all the classic social networks networks. love i love social media so you can tweet me i'll tweet you right back and you're you're speaking tomorrow in the area do you get to do anything fun while you're here is it yeah so business? we weren't sure if well all this is fun like this was this is all considered fun they gave us a vw bug at the rental car agency so I we're already that. having so fun cute. so red. we're gonna try and go into the city on friday maybe hit the art museum that's, and yeah, yeah so we're excited that's, that's good wonderful. yeah well thank you for taking the time thank to be guys. on our Thanks little guys. show here Everyone go and buy Nicole's books. Yes, everyone just buy multiple copies. <laughs> I'm not going to wear we a hat happy. with my side, so you're going to no. have to buy more. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks, guys.